This is Steve Thompson, and today we're continuing to talk about the various furnishings in the tabernacle. There weren't a lot, but there were a few things that God wanted the Israelites to use in their worship, and those things could only be used in worshiping God, at least those things with their unique way of being made. So let's read Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through 38. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand. Place it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there. They must wash with water whenever they go into the temple to appear before the Lord. And when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet, or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be observed from generation to generation. Then the Lord said to Moses, Collect choice spices, twelve and a half pounds of pure myrrh, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant cinnamon, six and a quarter pounds of fragrant calamus, and twelve and a half pounds of cassia, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. Also get one gallon of olive oil. Like a skilled incense maker, Blend these ingredients to make a holy anointing oil. Use this sacred oil to anoint the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering, and all its utensils, and the wash basin basin with its stand. Consecrate them to make them absolutely holy. After this, whatever touches them will also become holy. Anoint Aaron and his sons also, consecrating them to serve me as priests. And say to the people of Israel, This holy anointing oil is reserved for me from generation to generation. It must never be used to anoint anyone else, and you must never make any blend like it for yourselves. It is holy, and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes a blend like it or anoints someone other than a priest will be cut off from the community. Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather fragrant spices, resin droplets, mollusk shell, and galbanum, and mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. Never use this formula to make this incense for yourselves. It is reserved for the Lord, and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes incense like this for personal use will be cut off from the community. Have you ever tried, uh, sorry, have you ever walked into a new place or maybe somebody's home, and you smelled something familiar from your youth, didn't that smell bring associations and just flood your mind with memories? I think it's funny how smells attach themselves to certain events or times or places or people in our lives. I remember when I was a kid, we had people from other companies, countries come to visit us every once in a while. 
And it was always a great big deal to get ready and then have these people who looked different, spoke different, and even smelled different. And man, that smell, their smell, was unmistakable. I mean, there was definitely the colognes and perfumes, and I liked those. They were so strong. No one in my family ever wore colognes or perfumes, so the smells would just completely take over your attention. And then there was this other smell that I just couldn't put my finger on. Later in life, in my teen years, we visited some friends in their own country, and from place to place, I would consistently run into that familiar smell that always made me feel warm and fuzzy, and it brought back memories of great friends coming to stay with us and all the excitement of that. Well, finally, I asked my mom, do you know what that smell is? And she said, yeah, that's mildew. Because <laughs> the weather is so humid and damp that things mildew quickly. So that kind of popped my bubble on all the warm, fuzzy feelings. But, man, that smell brings back some great memories. I bring up smells because I find it interesting in Scripture how God enjoys certain fragrances. Actually, the most commonly referred to fragrance that is described as pleasing to God was the smell of sacrifices. God, for some reason, attached positive emotions and attaches toward the smell of barbecue, or really sacrifices offered to him. And maybe it's the nature of a sacrifice as something that costs you something, and once you offer it up, it immediately loses its value to you. You've given it completely, irrevocably back to God. Maybe that's it. Maybe it just smells good. But in describing the fragrant incense that was special and unique and only supposed to be used in the worship of God at the tabernacle or later in the temple, that reminds me of my first time going into an Eastern Orthodox church and having that very unique smell of incense wash over me. The other place that I remember smelling that very distinctly was when I would take classes to a Hindu temple. So nearly every time I smell incense, my mind rolls back to those places those places of worship where I smelled them. What's interesting is how smells are supposed to be part of our worship. Worship is supposed to engage all of us, all our senses, all our intellect, all our emotion. So smell can play an important role in that. And I wonder, do you ever incorporate certain smells into your worship of God? It's interesting to think about what that would look like. But the thing that grips my mind the most, springing from this passage, is another place in the Bible that refers back to this tabernacle setup. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, John, the writer of Revelation, and also the one who had a vision, picks up this imagery as he sees basically the tabernacle or the temple worship being played out in heaven. So let's just read about it really quickly. Revelation chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. 
I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. Then the angel filled the incense burner and the fire from the altar and threw it down upon the earth, and thunder crashed, lightning flashed, and there was a terrible earthquake. Thunder, lightning, and an earthquake. When God shows up in power, very often there is thunder, lightning, earthquakes, all sorts of things like that. Can you think of a couple of places where you might have come across that in scripture the first one that comes to my mind is a couple chapters back in chapter 19 when God came down on Mount Sinai to meet with the people that's what happened the other place that my mind immediately goes to is when Jesus dies there was thunder lightning and an earthquake but here's the thing when the incense that burns in front of the altar in God's presence, representing the prayers of all followers of Jesus, when that's poured out onto the altar and then poured out onto the earth, it produces thunder, lightning, and an earthquake. Do you know what this means? This means that when we pray, God shows up in power. For whatever reason, God wants to dialogue with us about stuff, and he repeatedly cries out to people to ask him for things that will expand his kingdom. He wants to respond to our prayers by showing up, often in surprising and unexpected ways. God wants to use our prayer to rock the world, to change hearts, and to bring heaven crashing into earth. But we need to pray. We need to talk to God about it. Last fall, a group of uh, us from various churches around the Tri-Cities got together and we prayer walked our local high school. And at the end of that prayer walk, I couldn't help but feel like or just wonder if we had just done anything. Like, was anything going to change just because we were all walking through and around the high school. But that image from Revelation of the incense being poured out, the prayers being poured out into the world, shaking things up, it changes things. Prayer changes things. Do you believe that? Do you practice that? Do you pray like that? Father God, would you create a hunger and thirst in us for you to show up in power and usher in your kingdom in people's lives? Would you take us to newer and deeper levels of dependency on you in prayer? Would you just lead us in prayer right now? In Jesus' name, I ask for you to do all of these things. Amen.